This is Michael Thomas, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. And joining us today, oh boy, do we have a big fish. Boy, did we land a big one. He's the senior fantasy writer over at CBS Sports. His name is Dave Richard. You can find him on Twitter at Dave Richard, just like it sounds. Dave. What the hell's going on, brother? You landed a blubber fish is what you landed. <laughs> or something. maybe, you know, you put in your hook and you came back with an old tire or something like that. <laughs> well, Dude, every every time I see Waster, Roster Watch on my uh, timeline, I stop. And I, I read and watch whatever you guys put out there. You guys do a fantastic job. It is an honor for me to join your podcast. Well, thank you, brother. I certainly appreciate it. And I can only take credit for, we were talking beforehand, you're down in Florida, my business partner, Byron, also down there in Florida. And it's a very bipolar account, uh, the roster watch account, when you have two guys who oftentimes have very different views on things uh, in the football world, you know, tweeting them out, you know, uh, one after the other, but we try our best to keep it interesting. Of course, uh, you know, Dave Richard, um, CBS Sports HQ and also um, the, they have the new uh, the Fantasy Football Today podcast, which is basically in every I think it's on five. It's on five days a week. Right. The Fantasy Football Today pod during the football season. We're, we're five days a week. OK, but during Obviously, the offseason, we're like three days. OK, yeah. but then the Fantasy Football Today in five is the new podcast where yeah. it's like a can you, why don't you, that's an idea. Why don't you tell the folks about that? So, Alex, we started a podcast for just people who are on the go. They want to listen to a lot of podcasts. and They don't have time to listen to our full length pod because we go about an hour. Sometimes like today's podcast was over well over an hour because we were talking dynasty rankings and risers and fallers. So we, we created a new podcast called. Fantasy Football Today in 5, FFT in 5. And it's like a five-minute guaranteed, quick and dirty, get your information, get a couple of tips, and get on with it. So if you don't have time to listen to the full-length version, you can download the five-minute version, and you're on your way with the same great fantasy football advice. And, of course, the new, uh, the always free 24-7 sports news streaming channel. That's always on, always CBS free. Sports HQ, yeah. So uh, CBS Sports HQ. So uh, make sure and check all those things out and the great content that uh, Dave Richard and the crew over there at CBS Sports puts out on the fantasy side. Some of it you're you're creating right now. It's a PPR mock draft. It looks like it stalled out at pick number two. Did that go? How did the first two picks go? Was it uh, Christian McCaffrey? And it's so it's a PPR, no bells and whistles, just a regular one. Right. I'm I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess it went. I don't know. Did it go Chris? McCaffrey, Saquon, McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, McCaffrey, Dalvin. What, what, how, how did that go? Well, we had Larry Fitzgerald go first overall. That was kind of a shocker. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, you, you were right. It was McCaffrey first. And then who would you take second in, I, a, in a PPR, Alex? Who do you have at number two in your PPR ranks for 2021? Uh, I, 
I have all, I kind of with, I know it sounds weird to say it, but I feel like with the, just the loss of Corey Davis and the loss of John U. Smith there in Tennessee, I know it doesn't affect Derrick Henry. Um, it doesn't affect Derrick Henry, you know, directly as far as, you know, any sort of target share or anything like that. It just feels like he's going to just going to have to just be that offense. So I think if it were me, it would probably be Derrick Henry, but it's, 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 it's kind of hard. I think Dalvin Cook is probably just as good an probably just as good an answer. I think a dynasty is where it becomes, you know, yeah. where it, it, it really muddles up the top. What do you think? I, I like Camara second. Uh, and I know that they're concerned about just how many catches he's going to get without Drew Brees there. I think it's just a focal point of the offense that he's going to get a lot of reception. So maybe he doesn't get 80, maybe he only gets 65 or 70. I still think that's pretty good. And we know that he is going to be the main component in that offense moving forward. So I have Kamara second and that's who went second. I didn't take the pick, but that's who I would have taken. And then Dalvin cook went third and then Derrick Henry went fourth. And I totally get where you're coming from on Derrick Henry, because that offense is so Henry centric. Right. Oh, the guy yeah. is just an absolute beast. The <laughs> offensive line's really good. They lean on him quite a bit. It is a little weird that he hasn't had a bigger role in the passing game. And I don't think that's going to change. I, I can't count on that changing as a fantasy drafter. I can't draft him praying to the fantasy guys that he gets to 35 receptions or 40 receptions. I don't think that's happening. But all those touchdowns that he gets and the way that he wears down defenses, and I, I, he has had back to back seasons with over 400 touches, Alex, but I think you'd agree with me. He's a completely different dude than your typical run-of-the-mill running back. We really haven't seen guys like this that just continue. They don't, they don't necessarily take a lot of punishment. I feel like Derrick Henry dishes out a lot of punishment, and I think he's going to continue to dish out a lot of punishment. Um, the, the biggest strike that I have against him is the change in offensive coordinators, but mm-hmm. I think Tennessee will stick with Henry, kind of an if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing, and Derrick Henry will end up getting his usual share can't fault you with taking him at number two. It's who I would probably take if it were a non PPR draft, but in full PPR, I think I like Camara and then Dalvin cook to get pretty close to um, maybe not necessarily pretty close to the same type of touchdowns and, and yardage, but certainly close enough to where their receptions put them over the top versus Henry. I totally agree. And I totally agree with you about Henry. It's like by now we're just, we are at this point, if we're depending on him, Growing in the receiving game, it feels like it's, you know, we're throw what is it? We're throwing in the wishing well. Like it's yeah. not, it's, 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 it's frustrating because if you saw him even, you know, if you saw him at camps, even coming out of high school, you saw him at his pro day or like all this stuff, man, like he, like he can catch, he, he can catch, but they just, they don't seem to want to use him that way. And it's just, that's, that's the way it goes. Um, I, I wanted to just circle back though about Kamara. Do you do you prefer Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill for your Kamara futures? Do you, like, is there one of those guys that you would rather kind of tie the tie the wagon to if you're going to be riding Kamara there at number two? Well, I mean, if I if I can just wish wish the whole thing, I wish that Taysom Hill would not play because he's he's going to be the one taking carries and catches and touchdown opportunities Mm -hmm. away from everybody in that new Orleans offense. And I I can only imagine his role isn't, isn't going to shrink if Jameis is the quarterback there, but the, the more that we can get Taysom Hill off the field, the better it is for Alvin Kamara. And we know that Jameis doesn't have a great track record of leaning on his running backs out of the backfield. I think he had Charles Sims for a year in Tampa where they connected 50 plus times, but I think it's just a staple of what Sean Payton wants to do. And that's use a playmaker like Alvin Kamara 
in the offense and have Jameis lean on him. And that's something that I think Jameis could learn to do is throw to the running back who can make plays after the catch. So I think that we are going to continue to see uh, Alvin Kamara do that type of thing. I think Jameis would be much better for Alvin Kamara's value because Jameis isn't going to steal touchdowns at the goal line very often. And he's not going to take a lot of carries away if, if more than a dozen from Alvin Kamara over the course of the season. So Taysom Hill, the less we see him, the much better it is for A to the K. What, what about for Michael Thomas? Do you, uh, because uh, we saw last year Taysom Hill actually decent connection with Michael Thomas. I was less worried playing Michael Thomas in the matchups where he was healthy than I was playing Alvin Kamara along with Taysom because it just didn't seem like he was getting the target, the target volume. Now with Michael Thomas, it feels like, man, I mean – He's slipping down to where, you know, I'll be interested to maybe see where he goes in this draft. I'm not sure we'll still be on the air whenever he goes, but maybe you could tell me on Twitter where he ends up going. He's been he's been he's been slipping, you know, to to 2.05, 2.06. I mean, sometimes at the two, three turn. We had a dynasty startup the other day that we did against our friends at Roto Underworld, wherever I know it's dynasty and it's different, but he didn't go till the end of the fourth. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of that's yeah. kind, of, kind of late. It's kind of late uh, for for Michael Thomas, especially considering you know Taysom wasn't bad with him, and then Jameis, gee whiz, I mean, we know that he'll throw it up to he'll throw it up to his main guy. We've seen it over and over again. Are 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 you in on? So if you're in on Alvin Kamara, are you still in on Michael Thomas, even in this post Drew Brees world? To a degree, I think there. I think it's a downgrade at quarterback, no matter who we're talking about, from Jameis to Taysom Hill. But I was impressed with the connection between Hill and, and Thomas, and they had synergy on slant routes. You saw it last year. Mm-hmm. That's what Michael Thomas can do as well as anybody else in the league. He might even be the leader in slant route receptions, for all I know. Um, I, I do think Jameis is a little bit better because I think Jameis will be willing to throw it to him beyond a slant route, beyond 12 yards downfield. I think he'd be a more aggressive passer with to Michael Thomas. And I think that'll help him. But the, the other thing that I'm really encouraged by is that new Orleans lost Emmanuel Sanders. And I don't know if they've really done a whole lot to try and replace him or try and really upgrade the offense. Jared cook is gone. I'm a big Adam Troutman guy. I think Adam Troutman's going to be really good. Yeah. So I, I think Troutman could in time put up numbers like Jared cook has the past few seasons, and that'll be really good. But I, I think that this is going to still be the offense that when, when, when they need a play on, third and eight, it's going to go to Michael Thomas. And when they want to throw on first and 10, it's going to go to Michael Thomas. And when they're in the red zone and defenses have to account for other players on the field, including Kamara, it's going to go to Michael Thomas. So uh, with Jameis, I'm worried about just how many of those throws are going to be on target because we know that Jameis can throw an ugly ball every now and then. And with Taysom, we don't know how much he's going to throw. And can we count on him to have, it was a ridiculous target share. Mm-hmm. In those four games with Michael Thomas, it was like over 30%. Over 30, yeah. I don't think we're going to see that again. So to me, Thomas is still a number one fantasy receiver, but he's toward like 10. I think I have him eighth. And it's probably maybe a smidge too high. But I, I think he's still someone you can look at and say, that's a guy I'm going to start every single week. He's going to score more touchdowns in the regular season because he had zero last year. He's going to get <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. six or seven this year. Surefire candidate for over 1,000 yards. That's a good player. And if you're getting him in the middle of round two and beyond, I think that's good value in a redraft league. And we're about to start round two here. And I'll, I'll let you know where he goes. I'll, I'll, uh, I, I suspect he will go somewhere between 15th and 28th overall in this draft. Oh, t- well, 28th is too, I mean, that's, that's pretty, it's around three. pretty, yeah, starting yeah. pretty, pretty late. Um, and I, I, w- I want to get back to that. But one thing I just wanted to say is you mentioned like the lack of, 
the lack of other options there in the offense. And who, who, who knows what they'll do as far as drafting. But we had uh, Mike Sando on here last week that writes for yeah. The Athletic. Yep. And he was telling me about his podcast, the Football GM Podcast, um, with uh, oh, I forget the uh, the old GM from the Seattle, and then he worked he he worked down in New Orleans. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. I'll put it in the show notes. But but he uh, they had Mickey Loomis on as a guest, and what was interesting to me is they got into talking about how much they've how well the Saints have done with hitting on their undrafted free agents, and Mickey Loomis kept talking about Marquez Callaway, Marquez Callaway, this Marquez Callaway, that mm-hmm. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we like we found Callaway, we did like Callaway. So I think that I I think they think they have something, and maybe some of these guys like Callaway, Deontay Harris, and some of the rest of these guys that maybe they don't you know expend too much draft capital to to really you know get some kind of new uh, new receiving option in there. So just something to keep in mind. So you're getting into the second round. Did did you already make your pick at, at, at nine? I did. So the first eight picks were, uh, well, I already told you about a bunch of them. It was McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook, Henry. Saquon went five. Kelsey went six, which was a mm-hmm. big surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Schrager, or I'm sorry, Schrager is the podcast host. He took Jonathan Taylor in round seven. Don't draft Schrager in your fantasy league, folks. He's not going to be very good. And then... Uh, Jamie Eisenberg took Austin Eckler eighth. So one tight end, seven running backs to start uh, the fantasy draft. I was surprised by Kelsey going so high. I took Devontae Adams. I went the safe route. And normally I love taking running backs, but I wasn't, I I figure it's safer to take Devontae Adams or maybe somebody like Tyreek Hill over Ezekiel Elliott, who look, I wouldn't be surprised if Ezekiel bounced back. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys offense was dominant, but I just feel like Devontae Adams is safe in a PPR league should get you well over 20 PPR points per week. And now I'm on the clock again uh, in round two. Who still, came off the board since your ninth pick? Okay. So Zeke came off. Zeke, Zeke uh, Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott were the two picks right after me. Mm-hmm. And then at two, three or one, two turn, it was Tyree kill and Nick Chubb. I really like that turn by the way, to get one of each Stefan Diggs came off the board next Deandre Hopkins. And so I, I, I can't Akers my, for you. I either James Robinson or cam Akers. Oh God. And uh, I, I, I like the idea of having a running back in Urban Meyer's offense. And so far through free agency, Jacksonville hasn't added anybody that makes me really worried about Robinson not having that lead role. And I know that offensive line will be better. So I'm going to follow through and I'm going to take James Robinson in round two. <laughs> Start my team with one wide receiver and one running back. Have that balance going for me and hope that I can get a good running back in, in round three. So that way I don't miss out too badly on that position. Okay, so let's let's talk about Jacksonville. So on, they have the number one pick. I believe they have the number twenty five pick, yeah. number thirty three pick, and yeah. number forty five. I think it's like I think yeah. it's four picks in the top forty five. So do you worry at all about that pick at thirty three being some kind of it's just like because teams hate taking a first round running back and but. You get to 33, all of a sudden you're in the second round. Maybe Najee Harris is still there. Maybe Travis Etienne is still there. Do you get it all worried about that? Or is the or do you think that they're going to actually do the right thing, build the right way, realize, dude, we have a guy here in James Robinson that's an undrafted free agent that was an absolute workhorse last year. Look, we have all this money. We need to we but we need to spend it on, you know, an offensive line, outside weapons for this kid, like all the rest of it. We we understand that running back is highly replaceable. We have a guy who is 
very, very, very good that just shown that he can have volume. Are they smart enough to do that? Or are they going to, or do you worry about them using 33 on a running back? I'm not worried about them using 33 on a running back. I'm worried about them trading down from 25 or trading down from 33 and still having a running back there. And there's three really good ones in this draft. Um, uh, be there for them at 38 or 42 or 45, wherever they they end up picking. Uh, and they end up taking a great talent there. I'm sure that they've talked about the idea of having Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne reunited in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know that this off, you know that this offense is going to be not necessarily an exact replica of what Lawrence did at Clemson, but it's going to be probably a real close representation of that with Urban Meyer's touches. And if if, if they end up going with Etienne, that's not necessarily the type of running back that we've seen do exceptionally well in, in urban Myers offenses. We've seen guys like Zeke and Carlos Hyde, you know, the bigger, more physical guys. And, and that's something that he wants from his running back position, or at least he said that in the past. And he's got that with Robinson. I am worried about Jacksonville finding a pass catching running back to take a certain amount of the workload off of James Robinson. Cause really how did James Robinson become a great fantasy running back last year? It was opportunity after opportunity. He had like a ridiculous share of the running back snaps and touches over the course of his time when he was on the field. And they don't have anybody there other than Hyde, who they added, who could legitimately take him off. Like Dario Gumbawali is not going to be that guy. So I, I, I'm hoping that we can, I'm hoping the combination of teams that need a running back, like the Atlantas and the Pittsburghs of the world, gobble up Harris and then ETN and, and Javante Williams before Jacksonville can pounce. And if that's the case, then Jacksonville is going to be left with not a lot of yeah, appealing choices at running back. They don't have a lot of appealing choices in free agency right now. So I, I think Robinson's actually in a pretty good spot. And the fact that they didn't prioritize that with their free agency ad so far, the only one they did was they brought back a familiar face in Carlos Hyde, who's basically going to be like depth for them and kind of like the, the professor of the running back room yeah. to show all the other guys, here's how Urban likes it. Here's how this offense is going to roll. And I think it's going to be a pretty, I know Daryl Bevel's the offensive coordinator. Bevel's the one who's going to change. We're not going to see what he's done in the past Mm -hmm. uh, come out this year. It's going to be urban Meyer and a lot of that, you know, uh, zone read RPO, whatever you want to call it, quick stuff that will help Jacksonville move forward with Trevor Lawrence under center. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, and I think it's a good point that, that you made. And the draft, it really, uh, that's a good point. It really is only three three bullets to dodge because after you get past Javante Williams, um, it starts mm-hmm. to, like, oh, I'm not, I mean, maybe 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 Chuba Hubbard has, has maybe he has close to the requisite size, we'll see. But, I mean, other than that, we're talking about the Kenny Gainwells and the Michael Carters, and these guys are all mm-hmm. 200 pounds, so um, – you know, you wouldn't be getting a, a, a redundant asset that you would be worried about actually taking over for James Robinson. You would just be worried about this guy being sort of a satellite back that could maybe hurt him a little bit. Those right. first three, those first three bullets are the most important ones to dodge for sure. Um, so ha- let me ask you this: has, has has Cam Akers come off the board yet in that draft? Mm-hmm. And and what do you what do you think of Cam Akers now that Malcolm Brown has been shipped off down there to your part of the world? Acres was the very next pick after my pick. So there might be some people listening. They're like, Dave, you blew it. You should have taken cam Akers, And you know, maybe I should have, that's going to be a great offense. The O-line should, it can't be any worse than it was last year. And it wasn't that bad. And Akers proved by the end of the year that he could be a workhorse back. It hasn't really proved so much that he can be a good receiving back. Um, but he's, 
he's talented, man. Like he, he's a good running back for that offense that should be more explosive. Uh, I, I know they're going to want to be more explosive and have Matthew Stafford dial up more deep shots. And the more that they can connect on those and scare defenses, the easier it'll be for Cam Akers to run. And I know that Sean McVay is saying all the right things about him being a three down back. I mostly believe him on that, but we also know that he's messed around with his running backs in the past. It was as recently as last year where Daryl Henderson's getting some work in there. And then Brown was part of the team. He ended up getting some work. If he's not there and they don't really replace him with a short yardage goal line guy, that makes acres more attractive. I give the edge in a PPR league to Robinson though, for now, because Robinson proved that he can be a good pass catching back. And if Jacksonville really doesn't end up doing anything serious with their running backs, then Robinson's in that position where he can get 50 catches and, and probably score as many touchdowns as Cam Akers and certainly get more total yards. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Uh, one guy that we know, another second-year guy that we know that can you know get a bunch of catches this year, especially in Detroit with all of the uh, with all the weapons that have left you know, migrated out of there, you know, no more Kenny Galladay, no more Marvin Jones. You have a meathead caveman head coach that probably wants to run the football over and over again. And DeAndre Swift is the, you know, left, you know, one of the last men, you know, one of the last of the Mohicans there, as far as the (laughs) players that were there before. Um, Do you see a volume uptick for him? And then how do you, I'm sure that going off the board right now in y'all's mock, Probably uh, people will be thinking about DeAndre Swift. People will also be thinking about J.K. Dobbins, who has an appealing profile uh, now that Mark Ingram's gone. But, you know, you still have the, sort of the black cloud of Gus Edwards that lingers over him and how much Baltimore seems to really value Gus Edwards. And the fact that maybe Gus Edwards is sort of undervalued by fantasy players because he d- does seem like this vulture. But if you talk to real NFL folks, they talk about what a what a good pure runner, actually, the Gus bus actually kind of is. And yeah, right. So, um, did, oh, I'm up. Oh, and Swift just went two picks in front of me, and so did Antonio Gibson. So, is uh, is what about Joe Mixon? Is he still on the he's, board? Or? He was gone. He went in, and I think he ended up going, let's see, and I got 40 seconds to make the pick, otherwise, I'm going to get yelled at. He went 21st overall, Miles Sanders 22nd, Michael Thomas went 23rd. So you might have to. So you're going to have to go with a Miles Sanders or a J.K. Dobbins. Or no, no, no. Uh, those guys are gone. Oh. The best available receiver on my rankings is Allen Robinson. The best available running back, according to my rankings, is a guy by the name of Josh Jacobs, who I'm oh. not really thrilled with. What, what about Clyde? Is he still available? He's gone. I think I'm going to have to take Jacobs, as much as I don't really love it. <laughs> I don't well, know. You know, I, I don't love it. I'm not taking him. I changed my mind. I'm what going about- with Allen Robinson. <laughs> I'm thinking Allen Robinson. I like Robinson better in a PPR. I've got him. A, I've got him ranked higher. B, uh, I, I don't care that Dalton's a quarterback. He's been good for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was really hoping that one of those young running backs would make it back to me. Do you do you have have you done have, have you had enough time to process one 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 thing that I didn't process I feel like I had a blind spot for that I was talking to Byron and and my friend uh, Matt Matt Kelly on our text yesterday mm-hmm. was um have you had time to process he, Josh Jacobs versus Chris Carson yet 
now that we know Chris Carson is going back to Seattle, I mean, I had I had these guys pretty ranked pretty far apart in rankings, and Byron put together a pretty good case that they shouldn't be as far apart as I had them. Now that we know what we know with Josh Jacobs, and now we know that Chris Carson is going back to to Seattle. Are you are are you into Chris Carson at all? Or do you have those two ranked pretty far apart? It feels like something I'm having to reckon with a little bit in my personal ranking. They're very close in my running back rankings. I've got Jacobs and then I've got David Montgomery and then I've got Chris Carson. Oh, okay. And, and I feel like I, I feel like all three of them are going to be guys that fantasy managers aren't going to be excited to draft, but that they'll settle for as RB2s, which is what I'm hoping to have happen to me in the mock draft that that's going on right now, except now Carson and Jacobs are gone. And the only guy left in my queue is old boy, David Montgomery. And I don't know if that's going to be, I, I'll take him if he's there for me. And Oh, and I'm up in round four and he's there. So, so, so that's I, good. I put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. Getting David Montgomery in round four to be my RB two. I'm totally fine with that. And it makes me, I got too many bears on my team, but oh, whatever, yeah, wrong, mock, right. we'll worry about mock, that later. Yeah. You right. know, in, in a PPR league between the two of them, I'm sure that they can get together for good, fantasy production in the same game in maybe half their games this year. And, w- and once, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to no, interrupt no. you, but, but, but once, but once rookies getting, I don't I'm, I'm not sure if rookies are included in this one, but they're not once, right. when, once they are, you'll have a couple of safety wraps in there with uh Najee and with ETN. So, uh, you, you know, maybe one of those guys could have right. changed the calculus a, a little bit, but I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, it's totally fine. We're, we're just having a free flowing conversation. So we, we really started with this about, the second year running backs like Swift and Dobbins and Gibson and and how I feel about those guys. And I, I see it for Swift. I really do. I think having Dan Campbell there um, and Dan Campbell is certainly going to be, let's run the football. It definitely seems that they're going to be that way. And and the fact that Jared Goff is the quarterback, I don't think that they're going to let Goff sling it 35 plus times a game unless they have to. And they might have to, because that defense isn't going to be pretty to watch, (laughs) but when they're playing from behind, And Jamal Williams can catch. There's no question. But when they're playing from behind, I expect Swift to be on the field. And Anthony Lynn has even compared Swift to Austin Eckler. He sees what we see with Swift, which is versatile, shifty running back um, with underrated power and great hands. And I think that he can he can certainly give off that vibe to Lynn. And if he's doing that, that means he's going to play a lot. And that's a really good thing. And what we saw with Lynn with the Chargers is that there wasn't necessarily a, a workload limit on the first running back. It was more the second running back. That second back would get anywhere between eight to 12 touches. Yeah. The Josh Kelly kind of the swing. Right. It used to be Austin Eckler back in the day yeah. when Melvin Gordon was there. Right. So I, I, I'm thinking that that's going to be where Jamal Williams lives. But when they're chasing points, uh, you know, fourth quarter starts and they're down 34 to seven against the Packers, you're going to see DeAndre Swift. And I would imagine with Jared Goff under center, you're going to see a lot of throws go Swift's way. So I think he's a contender for 70 receptions and I would draft him in PPR leagues as such. He also was good in short yardage goal line situations. Um, Had a lot of rushing touchdowns come from six yards or closer. I think all of his rushing touchdowns actually came from six yards or closer. So we know he's got breakaway potential. We didn't really see that so much in his first year, but we know he can get the job done in short yardage situations. And he did a better job in that role than Jamal Williams did last year. I think Williams had five goal to go carries last year and he only scored on one of them. So there's certainly going to be room there for Swift to continue to like assert that dominance in that role. And if I'm getting a running back who, even if he's splitting between the twenties, but he's catching a lot of passes and he's working at the goal line, that's a win. So I think Swift can be pretty good. Dobbins is sharing. Not only is he sharing with Gus, but he's sharing with Lamar Jackson. 
Uh, and it's an embarrassment of riches in that backfield for Baltimore. I don't blame them one bit for doing what they're doing. Uh, certainly could see it being frustrating for fantasy managers with Dobbins. You just got to stay the course with him and draft him as a number two running back who you hope can break out into a number one, either because of injury to Gus or because he just gets more work than Gus. Um, but he's a phenomenal talent. And I know that you know that Alex and I like Gibson too. Um, I, I think he's a, he's a very good talent having Ryan Fitzpatrick under center for Washington though. And then they add Curtis Samuel makes me a little nervous about, uh, you know, trying to guesstimate what that upside is going to be for Antonio Gibson. But I still think he does have potential to rack up 10 total touchdowns. I still think he's got a lot left to give as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Wouldn't surprise me if he finished the year with number off the top of my head, 12, 50 and nine, which oh, would Jesus. make him a top 12 running back. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they like him and I think they want to run with him, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, if, if he's able to change plays at the line of scrimmage, I don't know how often he's going to check to a run. I think he likes to throw it out field and that's going to be great for McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. Like I said, he's, he's certainly got the versatility to work as a, as a behind the line of scrimmage guy, um, whether it's catching passes or taking a handoff and that'll take work away from Gibson. We'll see what JD McKissick does this year. Um, but I, I, I think that there's that the upside for Gibson is the number I just told you 1250 for nine. What might be more realistic is like a thousand and seven, which isn't too far from 1250 and nine. It still makes him a very good number two fantasy runner. Yeah, and, and I was I was I was having this conversation with our with our guy Trash Man yesterday. It's about I just kind of put it together while we were on the pod. I was like, Jesus, they like Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Antonio Gibson all run in the four threes. That's gonna they're gonna have some speed mm-hmm. on the football field to, yes. together on offense. And I I, for, I I forgot what Logan Thomas ran, but for his size, he, he's 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 pretty he's pretty fast too. I think he's a four six guy. So a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of speed on that offense. All right, Dave, just a couple more questions for you. I'll let you get let you get back to your work here. Are are you, are you about up for another pick yet? I'm up in like seven or eight picks, so I'm just trying to keep tabs on who's been taken. It's you know, probably you never be that guy that says uh give me mike evans and he was taken well i was gonna say there's probably been probably been a little bit of of a run of wide receivers and i'll bet you kittle and has come off the board maybe has 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 mahomes come off the board yes mahomes went off the board in round three if you Mm -hmm. want the exact number it was 34th overall so a late third round pick um and then i'm i'm guessing that the you know I mean, the, the Justin Jeffersons and the Calvin Ridleys and stuff were gone, gone even before gone. we talked last time. But now, we're, we're around where you picked Allen Robinson. I'm guessing that McLaurin went. I'm guessing probably Keenan Allen went. Did, did both those guys go yet? Allen went before Robinson. McLaurin went after Robinson. What, what, about, what about Julio? What are people doing with him in, in that deal? Is, has, Julio, went, he going? Julio went 29th overall. I felt okay. like that was... Probably right on the mark. Maybe a little too soon. I think there's going to be some folks in fantasy drafts that just don't want to deal with Julio Jones. But at some point, he'll be worth oh, the risk. Oh God, yes, because yes. he's got immense potential, parabolic upside. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Right. And I'm a believer in Arthur Smith. I wasn't when he originally got the job, but once he did get it in Tennessee, he he made me look stupid. Yeah. Um, he's 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 a big time. His philosophy is adaptability, so he's not necessarily going to look for the next Derrick Henry and pound that guy 400 times over the course of a season. He's going to see Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley and say, all right, we're going to take to the air, certainly more than he did in Tennessee. And I think as long as Julio stays healthy, he's going to be an asset for fantasy managers. And maybe, just maybe, especially if they can get a good running back going, Julio can get single coverage a little more often in the red zone. 
and that could open him up for some more touchdowns because that's always been a problem with him is that he, he, uh, he just doesn't get the type of touchdown production that a number one fantasy receiver should get. Which is just so, so wild. Have, have both of the Cowboys come off the board or either the Cowboys wide receivers, Amari or CD? CD just went, both of them are off the board. Uh, CD just went at 51st overall and Amari Cooper went at 41st overall. So and, do, you, do you think that that's a justifiable gap? I mean, do you still think that it's still Amari? I, I see you I have do. the Cowboys helmet back behind you. How do you break down the dichotomy between – because I feel like I feel like last year Michael Gallup was in this conversation. My my contention was that CeeDee Lamb walks in the building and renders Michael Gallup not completely useless, but certainly renders him the number three wide out. Right, which is what um, we saw. If, um, but my other contention was, look, for, 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 for Dynasty, I don't think it's going to be that long before C.D. Lamb takes over. I'm not sure he's taken over quite yet. I think in Dynasty, I would certainly prefer C.D. Lamb at this point. But from a redraft perspective, you think it's right? Like Amari Cooper still the clear, the clear number one there for you? I do. I think that that's going to be the guy that um, – that's going to be the guy that Dak continues to lean on. I think he's just he, – he's just there. He's more ready to be – that to remain, not be the number one receiver, but remain the number one receiver, but it's going to be a closer gap between them. And Lamb's going to be very popular as well. And he's a fun receiver, man. And I love him in the slot and he's going to be dangerous as hell. And and Dak, if he's back at hundred percent, I just think he leans on Cooper just a little bit more. And so the fact that they went 10 spots apart in the draft, I don't think that that's really that surprising. I think that's what we'll see where Amari Cooper is going to be a receiver that people go, okay, I can, I can get him in my lineup in his fourth round pick. And then someone in every draft will see CD lamb in round five and say, got to get that guy, especially in PPR. And that, that takeover might happen this year, but I bet it happens closer to next year where CD lamb is, is the, the guy in Dallas's offense. Okay. I want to ask you one, just basically two more questions. One, I want to ask you about Kenny Galladay, what you think of the fit um, as, as a one B to that, I wanted to ask you if you've made another pick yet. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I wanted to ask you if there's a uh, if there's a player that you find yourself getting in every single draft that you like, if like if there's a guy that you're high on, either whether it's like a guy you take late or anything like that. But first, what do you think about Galladay? Um, is Galladay in a better spot now than he was before? Do you think it's an upgrade, downgrade? How does this affect Kenny Galladay's fantasy value to you going to the New York Giants? I'm afraid it's a downgrade. And you just start with the quarterback and you compare Matthew Stafford to Daniel Jones and you go, well, Daniel Jones, as good as he was on on deep passes, he wasn't quite as good on intermediate and shorter throws, which is kind of a head scratcher. Um, He can get there. I think everybody sees the talent that Daniel Jones has, but he really needs protection up front. And so that's going to be the story of the giant season. If that offensive line gels and, and plays well, and Daniel Jones has time. Well, now when he's holding onto the ball for an extra half a second, it's not going to ding him like it did last year and he'd get hit and he'd fumble. And actually the last two years, that's what was happening. Um, but he, he's got to, he's got to be able to stay protected and clean. And if he can do that, I think he can throw a catchable ball to Galladay more often than not. The problem is, is that there's a lot of other options in that offense that I think are going to warrant targets, not necessarily to the, the amount that Galladay would have, but targets nonetheless. Talking about Sterling Shepard, um, I don't even know if Evan Ingram is going to be that guy, but mm-hmm. Shepard will be, and Saquon Barkley will be. And they added Kyle Rudolph, and maybe he ends up being a red zone threat for them. So I'm nervous about Galladay getting to double-digit touchdowns. Um, but in a PPR league, he's been pretty consistent about getting around 14 points per game. I think that could be a fair thing to look for from him this year is, you know, some weeks he's going to be 12, 13, 14, the occasional 18, 19, 20, a couple of duds mixed in. 
Uh, I, I view him more as a number two fantasy receiver in New York versus what he was in Detroit when he was breaking out and becoming that number one baby Tron uh, in mm-hmm. that offense. Did, did you end up making it your, your, your fourth or your fifth? Was it your fifth pick? I made my fifth round pick and I'm on the clock for my sixth round pick. I took, I took Kyler at 57th overall. Okay. And, and, and who are you considering now? I'm looking at Jeff Wilson because I, everybody that knows me knows I love to draft a lot of running backs. Yeah. So he's still there. Um, the best available tight end is Robert Tunyon. I can wait on him. Is, 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 is Melvin Gordon off the board? He's gone. I would have taken him if he was still there. Okay. Wilson's my highest rated running back. I'm going to take him. And I just like him a little bit better than Mostert because he's more available than Mostert. Um, the efficiency metrics only favor Mostert by a little bit. I see the offensive line in San Francisco as a huge edge and a huge strength for that team. Still feel like they're going to run the football a lot and that that's going to be their identity. And Wilson is as a good physical back who proved he could catch and work in short yardage situations. So I'm really happy to have him as my third running back. And, uh, and I really, I like my team. I, I don't think I necessarily got any steals. Maybe some people will think that the Will Fuller or Will Fuller, the Kyler Murray pick was a steal at close to the end of round five, but I'm pretty happy with it. I've got really great receivers, reliable receivers, some nice running back depth already, and a stud quarterback in Kyler. Yeah, no, that's a yeah, that's a terrific start for that one. And you're clearly a great drafter. You guys do a bunch of these drafts over at CBS. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Dave Richard. Find his work at uh, CBS Sports on you know, CBS Sports HQ, which is always on, always free, and also the FF Today in Five podcast. Um, all right, Dave, I'll get you out of here. Just wanted to ask you one more thing with all those drafting skills you've acquired, all those mocks you guys do over there. Is there one guy you find yourself getting a bunch? Like it doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be a sleeper or doesn't, you know, just somebody sure. like where, where, where they're going right now. You say, damn, you know, I really like, I really like getting, getting this guy on my fantasy teams right now. I don't know if I've necessarily got that guy yet that I'm looking at and, and saying, I'm happy to have him. One, I'm, I'm just looking through my rankings and I'm, I'm looking at my running back rankings once I get past round 10. And one guy that I have taken in a bunch of these mock drafts so far is Anthony McFarland uh, from Pittsburgh. We know that James Conner doesn't look like he's going to go back to Pittsburgh. And I'm sure the Steelers are going to do something to address their running back position. But I think Benny Snell is just okay. McFarland um, really impressed me coming out of Maryland. I thought he was fun. And I remember when, when I evaluated him, I thought to myself, this guy would be good on the Steelers. And then the Steelers ended up drafting him. And I wonder if things could just work its way out to where McFarland had an opportunity. And so throwing the dart after round 10 on Anthony McFarland, something that I've been doing in a couple of drafts, and, and he could end up being a fun component in that Pittsburgh offense. And, and they need a running game in the worst way.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.